Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is episode 16 of the Ready for the Draft podcast, getting you ready for the NFL draft, which is set to begin in April in Las Vegas, Nevada, breaking down the draft eligible prospects, the names that you need to know in time for that draft. This is the postseason edition, kicking things off with episode 16. Look, the regular season is in the books, conference championships. Took care of those as well. We're moving on to bowl season, but not so fast. We're going to go ahead and break down those conference championships. We're going to take a look at those. Who were the guys that stood out when we're talking about uh, draft-eligible prospects? And then what we'll do after that, we're going to take a look at some of the postseason awards. Who were the winners You know, and really you know, who were some of the, the, the finalists as well uh, and kind of what that looks like in terms of the landscape for the draft? And then finally... Every single week, we've been taking a look at each of the positions, some of the names to get to know as we move into the pre-draft process. We talked about the entire offense. We've been through the interior defensive linemen, the edge rushers, the linebackers. We're going to go ahead and take a look at the back end of the defense, the secondary. That's how we'll kind of round things out and then stay tuned for the next podcast, the next Ready for the Draft podcast, we're going to go ahead and break down every single bowl game. Take a look at all the matchups that you're going to want to watch out for, especially for those guys that will be eligible for the 2020 draft. So without further ado, we got a lot to cover in just a short period of time. So let's go ahead and jump right into things. That first conference championship that kicked things off on Friday, December 6th was Oregon, Utah, Levi Stadium, Pac-12 Championship, Oregon coming away with the victory, 37-15. And obviously the, the big name was Justin Herbert. You know, he, he was just 14 of 26, 193 yards and a touchdown. He's one of those guys, when you watch him play, he leaves you scratching your head at times because there, there are a lot of really good plays, a lot of um, you see the arm talent, you see his athleticism, you see the decision-making, the anticipation, and then there's some questionable throws. We'll get into that in just a sec. On Utah's side of the football, I'll tell you what, Zach Moss, if this guy can just stay healthy, I think he's got a real chance to be a playmaker at the next level. I have him as my number six running back, and it's only because he just, you know, he every single year he seems to get hurt. Uh, but 14, I'm sorry, 19 carries, 113 yards, four receptions, 57 yards, and a touchdown uh, there for Utah. Utah just couldn't get things going, and really it was the ground game. You know, we, we talk about some of the guys up front uh, there for Oregon. When your head coach is a former offensive lineman, Mario Cristobal played for the U and was an offensive lineman there. You, know, you you better be good up front, and I'll tell you what, Oregon really did that. Uh, Panay Sewell at left tackle, uh, Shane Lemieux at left guard, Jake Hansen at center, uh, Dallas Warmack and Brady Aiello uh, at right guard, kind of tag team in that position, and then Calvin Throckmorton at right tackle. Those guys really had a day, and, and they were opening holes for, for C.J. Verdell, the sophomore, 18 carries, 208 yards, three touchdowns on the day. Um that offensive line really just opening up those holes. And I'll, I'll tell you what, look, let's get back to Justin Herbert for a minute. 31 touchdowns, just five interceptions coming into the game. Um, you know, just did a really good job. You know, guys coming coming open, especially on, on the slants, putting the ball on the money, not uh, not letting it sail, not getting it behind him, but putting the ball on his man, allowing him to, to get down the field and, and make some plays. 
you know, you saw him roll out. You saw the the arm strength, the athleticism, his ability to get his hips around, shoulders square to the target, and and deliver a strike. Um, dropped a fade in right over the shoulder of of, of Jalen Red, but the ball was ultimately dropped. Um, kind of disappointing there on that, but just dropped it right in over the shoulder, and and it was just a pretty pretty ball. Um, you know, he's. He's one of those guys, you know, people have kind of attacked him for, you know, is he a leader? Is he not? Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, what I can say is, is when you watch him play, you know, you, you never feel like Oregon is out of it. Even when they played Arizona State, they struggled for a time. Um, you know, when you're watching Oregon, you you always felt like Oregon had a chance to come back at ASU. And had they won that game, they would have been in conversation for the college football playoff. They would have been, you know, serious contenders there versus OU. Um, you know, Justin Herbert, a big part of that. He was the winner of the the Camel Trophy, which is the uh, academic Heisman. I didn't realize that you can get over a 4.0 in in college, but he ended up with a 4.01. Um, just a you know 6'6", 237 pounds. I have him right now rated as my number three quarterback behind Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa. Um, he's not getting out of the first half of the first round, in my opinion. I look at him as a, a guy who's a little bit more polished as a passer than, than Josh Allen. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, especially with the fact that he has Joe Burrow and Tua in this draft, um, you know, and, and teams up there at the top. Not everyone is in need of a quarterback, so he may slide a little bit. You may see him fall possibly to a team like the Chargers, and, and I think he'd be going into a situation there that that might be, uh, benefit him um, more than than being a top ten pick. Now, Zach Moss, obviously the the, the lower body. That's really what you see. He's so tough to bring down, uh, and then the lateral cuts, lateral cuts in the hole, just to avoid guys. In, in, you know, not only in the hole but behind the line of scrimmage as well. Um, you know that lateral movement is is really you know that that's part of his his explosiveness is that behind the you know behind the line and, and in the hole um, has some speed when he gets out to the edge, but uh, he's more of a guy who's going to get north and south uh, whenever possible. He did actually get around on the edge and uh, had some speed to get to the outside for a 33 yard game. So I think he has some underrated uh, play speed uh, there as well. Showed off some decent hands. Also able to pick up. Uh, um, Kayvon Thibodeau in pass protection. I'll tell you what, Kayvon Thibodeau, if you don't know that name, uh, top prospect coming into the, the season. And uh, he's he's only a freshman, freshman All-American. And uh, he's going to be a name that we're going to be talking about here in the next couple of years. But, you know, Zach Moss showed off, you know, some of those skills, you know, rushing, receiving, and in, in the pass blocking. I think Zach Moss, again, is going to be a guy. He should be considered as a, as a day two prospect. He may fall. And it's only because maybe those medicals don't check out to the the satisfaction of some of those teams. Um, now we talk about the offensive line, Calvin Throckmorton. Um, you know, here's a guy. You know, he's played four positions. He's played both tackle positions, guard and center, uh, for the Ducks in his career. And you, know, you watch him, and he's so powerful. Um, you know, I, I think he does a really good job in, in the running game, very physical at the point of attack, does a good job, uh, really just kind of roughing up some guys, can, can be a mauler at times as well, climbs to the second level, seals off the defensive back, uh, opens up some nice holes there for C.J. Verdell. You know, one of the things, though, is, is that pass protection. I thought he, you know, filled in nicely for Panay Sewell a season ago. 
Um, but this year I thought he really was exposed, you know, and, and especially even in, the, in that Utah game, he was flat-footed at times, and, and Mika Tafua took advantage of that, running right around him on a couple of occasions, also beat him with an inside move when he was oversetting a little bit. Uh, Throckmorton, to me, I mean, he, he's going to be a right tackle. He has that versatility to play on the left side and, and on the interior of the line as well. Um, he's going to be a guy that I, I think will probably be a third-round pick when it's all said and done. Um, you know, a, a solid, solid player when it, when, it, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to draft time, uh, Shane Lemieux, the left guard, you know, six, four, 316 pounds, um, used his feet, did a really good job. You know, his hands against John P- uh, Penasini as well. Penasini is a, is a physical guy, pretty good burst off the ball. And I thought Lemieux did a really good job handling him for most of the game. Uh, you know, 51st start. And you could really see that as well. Just, you know, very, never really panicked. Even when he was beaten, um, you know, he got did a really good job getting his hands underneath Penasini's pad level, um, you know, sliding with him uh, quite a bit as well. You know, Penasini kept trying to to get his arm over uh, to try to to rip through that and uh, really kept fighting with his hands. And I thought Lemieux did a really good job, you know, occupying him uh, to open up a hole. And, you know, and Jake Hansen was another guy. You know, here's another veteran lineman, 6'5", 295 pound center, and Hansen climbing to the second level. Um, you know, to, to really wall off uh, Dallas Loy, which sprung uh, Verdell on a 70-yard touchdown to really put the game on ice, 30-15. to 15. Um, You know, just really good job opening holes overall. Did a really good job blocking down on Lecky Fotu, which opened up another hole. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy that I think is a little underrated, not the best athlete, but very intelligent um, and, and just does a, understands angles. And I think that's really what... Uh, is going to he'll probably be a, a mid day three pick, but uh, I think he'll be sneaky good at the next level. I think he'll be one of those guys who's going to be challenging for a starting spot sooner than people are expecting. Panay Sewell, come on, who sees a guy this big moving as as well as he does? I mean, he he's just he's he's such a fluid athlete. He's six six, three hundred twenty five pounds, just so light on his feet. Very easy mover. Eight games without a pressure, a hit, or a sack. Um, you know, as reported there by by Fox on the the broadcast, but just so light on his feet. You watch him and pass protection easily, keeping uh, Bradley and I in front of him. You know, Bradley and I, you know, he really didn't have much much of a um, you know much of a game you know at all. And Bradley and I, he, he's one of the big sack artists in this year's draft. He's he's in my top ten, six three, two hundred sixty five pounds. But Panay Sewell just so light on his feet, able to mirror him, uh, short choppy steps, just like a typewriter. You know, keeping him in front. Excellent hands, climbing out to the second level, but he's also big and powerful uh, in the running game as well to generate a lot of movement with his leg drive. Mark my words, Panay Sewell, barring injury has a chance to be the number one overall pick in the 2021 draft. That's a name to, to, to watch out for. And you'll also hear his name mentioned when we talk about the postseason awards here in just a moment. Um, so those, I think, were some of the names that, that really stood out to me. Um, Juwan Johnson trying to make a name for himself, coming back from Penn State, 6'4", 231 pounds. Um, kind of, he, he's one of those guys that, you know, he's a very physical blocker, can be a playmaker using his size to his advantage, but had some drops you know, I think he's struggled with drops, you know, even at Penn State, struggled with drops in this game as well. Uh, Jalen Johnson, look, you know, here's the thing for him. He, he's 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 a really good athlete. He has really good uh, length at the corner position, six foot, 195 pound junior. Very tight coverage on, on Brian Addison to the outside. Does a really good job really just forcing 
uh, a perfect throw down the sideline, really within tight coverage, but he doesn't trust himself all that much because he, he wants to get hands. He wants to get his hands on the receiver. And, and while it works to, to kind of reroute the, the receiver a little bit, um, he's also going to call for pass interference more often than not because of the way that he uses those hands so much. Um, you know, uh, Francis Bernard, the linebacker, 6'1", 235 pounds. You know, I thought that he um, showed off it, you know, being, you know, being a big hitter, showed off his instincts, um, did a really good job scraping over the top uh, on run plays. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that just comes down – downhill hitting the holes on third down uh especially on those run plays uh he's someone who i think is going to end up probably being a day three pick but a guy who i think is going to be be someone we'll be talking about as a surprise at the next level so moving on to the Sun Belt Championship, Appalachian State taking on Louisiana. Appalachian State ran the score up a little bit, but uh, final score was 45-38. Louis, uh, Louisiana really making a game of it. And, uh, you know, look, Louisiana has a three-headed monster there at running back, and two of them are coming back. Um, you know, you've got Raymond Calais, who's the um, he's the, the senior in the group, and he's kind of the scat back. He's 5'9", 185 pounds, very shifty in the open field. Does a really good job setting up the defensive backs, you know, good five, six yards down the field with a nice head fake. Um, came into the game with over 800 yards on the ground. Uh, he's the senior, and he was the scat back of the group. Uh, Trey Regis, a guy that I, I really enjoy watching run the football. He's more of your one-cut-and-go type of guy, more physical, uh, over 700 yards on the ground. Um, really a straight-line runner more than anything else. And then there's Elijah Mitchell. Uh, had 85 yards on 18 carries and a touchdown. Also had a receiving touchdown. Um, showed off some decent hands. Uh, he's over 1,000 yards for the year. Very quick feet between the tackles. Lowers his pads to finish. Has decent speed on the outside as well. Showed off a nice stiff arm in, in the open field to finish off another run. Um, to me, I think Elijah Mitchell probably has the most uh, um, draft you know, draftability. I think, you know, you're going to see uh, probably Trey Regis get a chance um, maybe with a late draft pick, but those guys are both coming back. That'll, you know, that's more for the 2021 draft. Um, you know, the, the guy who obviously everyone wants to watch when you watch Appalachian State on defense is, is Akeem Davis Gaither. 10 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. He's 6'2", 215, but he's one of those new age linebackers, you know, one of those hybrid guys who's never going to come off the speed, uh, off the field, very, tr- uh, you know, tremendous speed, um, you know, with the, the ability to play inside out, chases the balls down from behind sideline to sideline range, uh, comes off the edge as a blitzer shooting. Um, let's see. Can't, yeah. Came off the edge um, on the goal line situation. And uh, you know, ultimately drilled, the uh the running back shy of the of the the end zone uh so davis gaither is going to be someone he'll be a day three pick uh people won't be talking about him but he's a guy that i think is you know is going to have a chance at the next level because of the fact that he is so athletic and then jordan fair eight tackles on the day two pass breakups he's 6'3 230 pounds bench presses 430 they said on the broadcast uh on espn uh that he runs a 4440 you know, hopefully he'll get invited to the combine to see if he he can actually do that. Um, I'll be curious to see, but you know he did a really good job. Uh, you know Elijah Mitchell trying to get uh, to get to the outside, read the play, able to uh, ultimately get his hands on the on the outside on on the offensive tackle, able to disengage, 
chase down the running back and drop him for a loss. Um, so Jordan Fair is another athlete there on the defensive side of the football for the Mountaineers. And then finally, Darrington Evans, the running back, 5'11", 200 pounds. He's only a junior, so he could come back. Over 1,200 yards on the ground, 20 touchdowns, some belt offensive player of the year in 2019. Um, just so he's very explosive. You know, he's one of those guys, um, he doesn't look like he's moving that fast, but he's running by people. Took a screen pass on the edge, 58 yards for a touchdown, showed really explosive speed down the sideline. I thought that was really what was impressive for him. Um, just very athletic. Um, he's someone that, you know, even you know, as a blocker, had a kickout block on a quarterback run by, by Zach Thomas, uh, the, the, the quarterback, if there's somebody that I'm hoping comes back for one more year, it's going to be Darrington Evans because I think he's somebody who is going to sneak up on on uh, scouts in in uh, in 2020. I think he's going to have a big game, uh, a big season. And uh, granted, Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach, heading off to Missouri, but I still think he's going to have a big year. Florida Atlantic taking on UAB. This really wasn't a contest. You know, they, they took a, uh, in Boca Raton, uh, really a swan song for, for Lane Kiffin, who's heading to Ole Miss. Uh, the Owls, 49-6, to big winners here. And uh, if you're looking for, for someone to really kind of keep an eye out for, it is Harrison Bryant, that tight end for them. Four receptions, 39 yards, and a touchdown. Went over 1,000 yards for the year at the tight end position. Dynamic pass catcher. Um, ran an out route um, to the back pylon, um, really did a good job, had a step on the, on the defensive back, just used really, um, you know, really good route running ability. You know, he's an athlete there on the outside, needs to improve as a blocker a little bit, but he's a name to watch out for. Not to be confused with Hunter Bryant, no relation, playing for the Washington Huskies, both of whom will be in the draft. So that ought to be fun when we come to the, the combine. That's really the biggest name to be on the watch for. Um, you know, Spencer Brown, um, over 3,000 yards for, for UAB in his career, most in their history. He's only a junior, um, had 68 yards, uh, but did have a fumble in that game. Um, six foot, 230 pounds, battled injuries in 2019. He's coming back for one more year. He has to, um, but uh, be interesting to see what he can do with the Blazers in, uh, in 2020. But, you know, for that game, the Owls for me, you know, Hunter, uh, I'm sorry, Harrison Bryant. See, I did it there. Uh, Harrison Bryant, that's going to be the guy to watch when FAU plays in their bowl game. So we take a look at, let's see, American Athletic Conference, Memphis and Cincinnati. So the number 17th ranked Tigers playing at home in, in the Liberty Bowl against the 20th ranked Bearcats. And uh, Memphis ended up pulling this game out, 29-24. And, and it's one of those things, you know, Mike Norvell, uh, ultimately moving on to Florida State. The team played well in, in spite of the fact that there were all those rumors going on with what he was going to be doing. But uh, so many explosive athletes there for the Tigers. Uh, DeMonte Coxey, uh, the big receiver, nine receptions, 165 yards. And look, Coxey, to me, um, because of the depth of this wide receiver core, I'm sorry, uh, wide receiver draft class, he should come back for one more year. That's really what I'm expecting him to do. But uh, he's ve- you know, very much a weapon over the middle, a guy who, who does a good job getting behind the defensive backs, down the sideline, can set guys up in the open field as well. Um, when we're talking about draft-eligible prospects, you got to talk about Antonio Gibson. 6'2", 221 pounds. He's built like a running back, plays running back at times in the backfield. Um, and he's one of those guys, he gets to the second level in such a hurry. Has a tremendous burst. 
physical runner. Um, and so even when he's a receiver down the field, he's running with a running backs mentality and a guy who also, you know, in, in a game, he had a, a, re- a return for a touchdown, uh, a rush for a touchdown and, and a receiving touchdown all in the same game. He reminds me a lot of LaVisca Chenault because he can do a little bit of everything. And he's the name that people aren't really talking about. This is a deep wide receiver class. And yes, he's a second year Juco player, but mark my words, we, you know, the, the best is yet to come with Antonio Gibson in this game. Uh, let's see, three receptions, 32 yards and a touchdown. Also had 11 carries uh, for 32 yards and, and a touchdown there as well. AAC special teams player of the year, uh, you know, had a 65 yard run uh, for a touchdown in the first half, ran through contact, um, really, you know, got into the open field, sidestepped a tackler, then accelerated away from, from all the defenders for, for a score. Uh, just really a quick burst, uh, hitting the hole as, as a running back, following his blockers and uh, getting up the field. He's going to lower his pad pad level whenever possible. Um, he's just a very interesting, interesting player to watch. Uh, one running back uh, that could come out but may come back is Michael Warren uh, there for Cincy. 5'11", 222 pounds, has speed to the perimeter, very strong runner as well, looks to lower his pad level whenever possible. Big, thick legs. Delivered a huge hit um, to the, the safety, uh, Blake, uh, Sanchez Blake, there on, on the outside and, and really drilled him. And uh, he was slow to get up after the play uh, was Blake. Uh, Mike Warren, look, he, he's a guy that is going to be a goal line nightmare. He just He's so physical, has that forward lean, always seemed to be you know, falling forward on plays. He's only a junior though. I think he may come back for one more year with Luke Fickle, but you know, keep an eye out for him. Uh, Josiah Deguara, the tight end, 6'3", 240 pounds. He's the next Cincinnati tight end, you know, following in the footsteps of the guy, you know, of the, the likes of, uh, you know, the Selix and, uh, and, and Travis Kelsey, um, you know, but really he was more known for his blocking in this game. Came across the formation, got a cut block on the linebacker, really sprung uh, Desmond Ritter for a big game. Had just two receptions for 22 yards, but he's one of those guys. He's a little undersized, may play a little, little bit of that H-back position, but he can also play in the slot. Um, so he's not necessarily that traditional tight end, kind of a jack-of-all-trades and uh, somebody who I think will be a day three pick for, for someone, and I think they're going to be happy about that. Let's see... If we move on from that game, I think the next game to talk about would be the Mountain West Championship. That was Boise State and Hawaii. 31 to 10, the Broncos taking on or taking out Hawaii in this game. And you know, obviously Curtis Weaver is the name that everyone goes to, and rightfully so. You know, three three tackles in the game, one and a half for loss. And he's just to me, he's he reminds me a lot of Derek Barnett, as I mentioned in a, in a couple of uh, couple of episodes ago. Um, very, you know, he's physical with his hands. You know, I think some people talk about him, you know, struggling to get off blocks at times. But this is someone who is has that explosive burst, um, uses a variety of pass rush moves to get into the backfield. Very disruptive, not only against the pass but also versus the run. Um, you know, Ezra Cleveland is only a junior, the left tackle, 6'6", 310 pounds. He's such an easy mover, very, you know, knee bender, you know, gets low at time. You know, he does have to work, watch his, his pad level because sometimes he'll get a little bit too high. And, and the thing with Ezra is he's, he's more of a finesse 
type tackle. He's not, there isn't very much power to him. He's very much a finesse guy, uh, needs to get stronger, which is why I'd love to see him come back for one more season. Really work, you work on things in the weight room, but very active hands, short choppy steps uh, in the, in pass protection, doesn't really get overextended, um, able to mirror guys easily. And he, he's somebody who I think if he gets, gets a little bit stronger, puts on, you know, some more, some more weight, um, cause he's six, six, three, 10. I think he can put on, add another 10 to 15 pounds and still not lose any of that athleticism. If he can do that, you know, I, I think Ezra Cleveland uh, is in for a big year. Uh, uh, Kikoa Nawahine, uh, the, the safety six, two, two Oh seven, uh, the, the, the safety really known mostly for coming downhill and, and playing in the box. Uh, but you know, there was a really nice, a, a nice play, um, Starts to, to cover kind of a, a corner route to the left. Then he makes a speed turn back to the middle uh, to pick up a, a receiver running running a post. Undercut that route. Leaping interception in the end zone. You know, very athletic play. Showed off some pretty good instincts as well. That speed turn. Um, didn't really waste any movement. Had to gain ground. Undercut that route. Made the play. Otherwise... Uh, you know, I believe it was it was Sharsh, uh, Jason Matthew Sharsh would have scored the, a touchdown in that contest. Um, you know, one of my favorite, you know, the, the two favorite guys for me are, are Cedric Bird and JoJo Ward. They're both 5'9", 175 pounds. Um, you know, slot receivers, but they're a lot of fun to watch. JoJo Ward, um, look over 900 yards receiving in 2019 and 11 touchdowns. Um, you know, not the, the names that people are talking about and they're kind of guys that are forgotten when you talk about this draft class, but when teams are looking for slot receivers, you're looking for guys like the, who's the next Cole Beasley, who's going to be the next Danny Amendola, who are some of these guys that are going to be undrafted free agents and end up making a roster because of the fact that they are so, um, you know, that they're quicker than fast at times, but they're able to get open, uh, Jojo Ward, uh, Cedric Bird, those are two names to uh, be on the lookout for as well. So now we've gotten gotten through the the power, or I'm sorry, the group of five, and we'll take a look at the power five. Um, actually, one last game. I, I can't forget the MAC. Um, the the MAC. Uh, let's see, Miami of Ohio, the Red Hawks taking down the Chippewas, Central Michigan, 26-21. And the name for me in this, obviously, you have Troy Brown, the the sophomore safety slash linebacker hybrid. Um, first team all Mac. He's a name to watch out for in years to come. But uh, the name for me in this was really Doug Costin. He's 6'2, 295 pounds, number 58 for Miami of Ohio. You get to watch him in the bowl game. But uh, you see s- such power in his hands. You know, he drives the, the guard back into the backfield off the ball, disrupting some run plays. Also showed that, you know, he, he can keep working, has a nonstop motor, works, keeps working to the quarterback as a pass rusher, has an initial spin move um, you know, on another play, really start, started to the outside on the right guard, then spun back to the inside and uh, dropped the running back right around the line of scrimmage. Um, he's, he's one of those athletes, you know, somebody that is on a, a group of five team, but, and, and nobody's really talking about him, but I think he's somebody who can come in and end up making a roster because of his, his, his quick burst, the power and just his nonstop motor. So now, now that we've gotten through the, the group of five, we're going to go ahead and take a look at the power five teams and, and really what that looked like. 
And, uh, you know, let's see. What's the first game that I have here? Uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State. So Ohio State started off, you know, they were down to Wisconsin, 21-7. Fought back for a 34-21 win. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, special running back. 33 carries, 172 yards, and a touchdown. Um, he's really the name, obviously, to watch out for. He was competing with, with Jonathan Taylor, who had 20 carries, 148 yards, and a score. Had a couple of receptions out of the backfield as well. Um, those are two names. You know, the two of them, along with, with uh, DeAndre Swift, are going to be the three running backs battling to be the number one running back taken, in my opinion. Um, I think J- uh, Jonathan Taylor... You know he's he's got the physicality you know that that with which he runs um, you know he, Big Ten running back of the year um, but you know a, a guy he's rushed for more yards than anybody else I mean over six thousand yard you know in his first three seasons over six thousand yards um, just a tremendous tremendous athlete such power between the tackles so patient as a runner puts his foot in the ground gets north and south very decisive um you know able to set guys up with with his elusiveness in in the open field and and he's showing off that he does have some hands uh coming out of the backfield as well um but the speed you know a 10 400 meter guy um you know that speed is really kind of what jumps off the tape when you watch him play jk dobbins on the other hand 510 217 pounds uh you watch him and you know, he, he's kind of, he has some of the slashing style. I didn't really realize that he was more of a slasher, but he was cutting up the field without losing speed. Um, excellent vision to see the cutback lanes. Um, uh, has a spin move that he'll use from time to time. Um, when he, especially when he gets into traffic, good leg drive to carry the pile for an extra three to four yards. Excellent vision. Um, you know, that was one of the things, you know, that I thought was, um, you know, so impressive watching J.K. Dobbins, another guy with very soft hands out of the backfield. He was overpowered by the linebacker Chris Orr on a on a coverage sack. Ultimately, uh, Justin Fields had nowhere to go, and Orr got around and really ran through J.K. Dobbins and and ultimately picked up the sack. But those are two guys I think throughout the pre-draft tr- process we're really going to be keeping an eye out for. Zach Bond, you know, I, I really miss talking about him. Uh, to a large degree in uh, the last podcast, but Zach Bond, 6'3", 235 pounds, shows a good burst off the ball. You know, the hand slap to, to really get the left tackles, hands away from him, very smooth, dipping that inside shoulder, ripping through, flattening out to the quarterback, pressuring the quarterback and flushing him from the pocket. Um, you know, gets downhill, um, took on, let's see, uh, took on J.K. Dobbins, actually, uh, and, and kind of jacked him back. And then really shoved him aside and, and sacked the quarterback. Pretty fluid dropping into coverage as well. He'll be a day two pick and a guy that I think is very versatile. Um, Jeffrey Akuda um, battled an injury in this game, battled a thumb injury, so he was out for much of the much of the second quarter. But I thought Damon Arnett really stepped up and played well. Um, you know, got very physical using his hands, uh, especially at the top of the route. Um, you know, he was somebody that. You know, use some of his instincts stepping in front of Quintess Cephas over the top to, to break up a pass. Um, you know, I think Damon Arnett, he he came back for one more year. Kendall Sheffield moved on to the NFL, but he came back and I thought that he really had an inconsistent uh, 2018. I thought that he's really improved things in 2019. Um, absolutely. Um, and then Quintess Cephas, the receiver for Wisconsin, 6'1", 207. The junior, I hope he comes back for one more year because... 
you know, he, he's a tremendous athlete, plays well, um, you know, had seven receptions for 122 yards. He really was the offense in the passing attack for, for the, the Badgers. They really didn't have anybody else opposite Cephas, especially with A.J. Taylor not really able to go. Um, I hope that he comes back. Jack Cohn's going to need that go-to receiver, um, you know, and, and I think with this draft class, he's one of those guys that could end up getting lost in that shuffle. Clemson. Never really a doubt against Virginia, 62-17. Uh, T. Higgins, that's really the name that you had to, you know, going into the contest. Um, there are so many talented players there for, for Clemson, but T. Higgins, when you walked out of that game, you know, that was the guy that put on the show. 6'4", 215-pound junior receiver, and uh, nine receptions, 182 yards, three touchdowns on the night, and, uh, you know, just knows how to separate. You know, I, I think the route running ability to get himself open and then, you know, the ability to separate late and, and go up and, and, and high point the football. Just tremendous catch radius. You know, uh, Trevor Lawrence rolled out to, to the right and uh, got to the sideline. And really, the ball was thrown out of bounds just down the sideline. And T. Higgins extended himself out of bounds with his, you know, basically doing a toe tap and extended for that football hands catch with both hands secured it all the way to the ground tremendous play this guy you know you put the ball anywhere near this guy and he's going to haul it in um had a 54 yard reception um basically a, a stutter stutter and, and got an inside release on the corner uh, really you know got the corner flat-footed got two steps of separation on him tracked the ball very well over his shoulder um able to adjust you know, for the football turn and, and ultimately elevate and, and haul the football in. I think he, you know, a lot of people think that he may need to work on, on some of the press coverage, but, you know, I, I think for me, he does a really good job getting that release off the, the line of scrimmage. You know, if anything, you know, he may lack a little bit of a burst, but, uh, you know, he, he's so big, he's so physical, and, and he's just a playmaker. To me, um, you know, T. Higgins, top 20 draft pick when it's all said and done. Um, Isaiah Simmons, man, you know, this guy uh, playing deep safety at one point, turned and ran with, uh, you know, really getting underneath uh, a deep route um, that was kind of up the middle of the field, elevated and made a play on the football. You know, we're talking about 6'4", 230 pounds. No wonder this guy won the Buckus Award. Nine tackles, a pass breakup, uh, a QB hurry, and an interception as well on the night. Uh, Isaiah Simmons solidifying himself as a, a top 10 pick. Uh, Travis Etienne, 5'10", 210-pound Clemson running back, um, showed his explosive burst uh, through the hole, runs through contact. And that's really the big thing. You know, everyone knows about his his burst, his speed, but you know, every time I, you know, I was noting, making a note, you know, that he was running through contact, running through guys, running into to Joey Blunt and running him over. Um, that's really what I wanted to see from him. Yes, he's got the 8.3 yards per carry, you know, but 5.4 yards after first contact. That was a stat that really blew me away that they used there at the, during the broadcast. And, uh, man, you know, by, by ESPN. And, and I, I think that, that Travis Etienne, you know, is really, uh, adding that power element to his game, which has really improved his draft stock. Um, you know, and he's one of those guys who also gets skinny. You know, there really doesn't look like there's much of a hole, but he finds a way to make it through there and, and gets down the field in a hurry. Um, you know, I, I think if there were, you know, up front for the Clemson, uh, John Simmons, I'm sorry, John Simpson, 6'4", 330 pounds, um, you know, beaten by the speed of, of Mandy Alonzo at one point, but he's so powerful 
um, moves people off the line, just really a road grader, very nasty disposition, very physical. Um, he needs to watch, you know, just looks to punish guys. Um, decent mirror skills uh, in pass coverage, especially against Charles Snowden. You know, I think Charles Snowden, this big 6'7", 235-pound uh, linebacker, I, I thought he struggled in this game, especially getting off blocks. You know, I thought the pad level was way too high for him. Um, but UVA, I think the brightest spot for them was Hassis Dubois, the wide receiver, 6'3", 215 pounds. And, you know, he had, you know, Tanner Muse just turned around of the seam on a skinny post, um, catch and run for 46 yards, had a 20-yard touchdown, got out. Um, let's see. You know, showed some separation, um, stutter, and then got inside release. Um Catch over the middle, you know, ran ran for a twenty yard touchdown. Um, you know, eight targets in the first quarter. Really, you know, Bryce uh, Bryce Perkins uh, go to target attacks the ball in the air, 50-50 balls. Um, you know, fiftieth game at UVA and, and finished the game with with ten receptions for one hundred thirty yards and a touchdown. A name nobody's really talking about. Another guy who could get lost in the shuffle, um, but a guy who I think has a really has a legitimate shot at the next level. So we just have a couple of more games to talk about. Obviously, when you talk about that LSU game, 37 to 10 against Georgia. Um, you know, Joe Burrow, you know, man, 28 for 38, 349 yards, four touchdowns. And uh, you know, you had Justin Jefferson, seven receptions, 154 yards and a touchdown on the game. Um, and then Clyde Edwards Alaire, the running back, five uh, 15 carries, 57 yards. Also seven receptions for 64 yards. Those were the guys that were really making some big plays. Joe Burrow just so so efficient. You know, it's one of those things to where he he the poise in the pocket. He doesn't really panic. He goes through the progressions. First he looks looks right, then he looks left. Picks up uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire coming across the middle of the field. The left side of the field started opening up, and, and that man coverage. Everybody turning their back, dumps it down to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who takes off for a big gain. Um, you know, just, you know, the way that he moves in the pocket, just sliding up in the pocket, um, you know, manipulates it very well, you know, also, uh, rolling out, sidestepping the rush whenever he can. And then once he, you know, he makes great decisions with when he wants to run, he keeps an eye on, all right, where is the secondary? Where is there, what's everybody doing? Is there a spy? And if that middle of the field, or if the sideline is going to open up, that's when he pulls it and runs it. And it's so, so smart with, with the way that he runs it, you know, and basically I'm going to continue to pull the ball down. I'm going to continue to run until you, you force me to stop, you know, and basically 11 carries for 46 yards also had a reception pass was batted back to him. And uh, Georgia really didn't, you know, didn't really notice that too much. And uh, ultimately took off down the, the sideline for uh, a nice gain. Uh, you know, Clyde Edwards Lair showing that speed to the edge, um, you know, very, you know, the, the biggest thing for him, you know, yes, he's sudden as a runner, uh, you know, and, but it's that, that pass catching ability, his ability to, to run the routes, uh, puts his foot in the ground and, and gets, uh, sinks his hips and really drives out of that, uh, out of that route. Um, you know, very, you know, the lateral cuts in the hole to avoid defenders. I think that's another thing that that's impressive when you watch him play, um, stiff arm on the outside on, on J.R. Reed. Uh, after the catch and able to get down the field. Um, Edwards Lair, a lot of fun to watch. Underrated running back, in my opinion. And then Justin Jefferson, showing speed after the catch uh, for a nice uh, you know yards after after the catch. 
um, shook Eric Stokes in the open field, just you know, really plant and and cut back to the inside. Um, you know, quarterback rolling out to the sideline. Um, ultimately, you know, coming across gets deep. You know, and I thought that was one of the things that was you know that Justin Jefferson does really well is is, is that you know if there is is a, a play that breaks down. He's going to look for space. He's going to find those voids in the defense, and he's going to make a big play because of that. Um, you know, if the route calls for him to to run flat across the across the field, but ultimately he sees his quarterback needs help, and he sees that there is an opening behind the defensive behind the defenders, he's going to take that route and he's going to adjust it, and uh, he's going to end up making a big play out of it. So he's one of those guys. I think you know when you put that at the next level, you're going to have to be able to do that. You're going to have to find those voids whenever possible. Justin Jefferson is is one of those guys who really understands and gets it when you're talking about the route running ability. Uh, Jake Jake Fromm, you know twenty. Uh, uh, 20 of 42, 225 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions on the night. Um, and he, look, you know, 41st straight uh, straight start, but uh, just one of those guys who, you know, he, he struggled to get going, you know, struggled with, with putting the ball on his man. Um, ultimately, you know, as he got going, he was able to start putting the ball, hitting his receivers in stride. Um, you know, there was a, a play... You know, he had first interception in 172 pass attempts uh, in the first half. And uh, Derek Stingley, who's going to be a special, special corner, um, really was just, he had the inside position and the ball needed to be thrown to the outside. It was thrown to the inside. And uh, Stingley, you know, got his, you know, really just, you know, look and lean, um, you know, find it, locating the football and the football was on him and uh, ultimately made a nice play. Uh, Jake Fromm, you know, for me, you know, he, he's he struggled the last few games, uh, completing less than 50% of his passes. He's somebody that I think he does a lot of things right, you know, pre-snap, but uh, the lack of uh, of athleticism, you know, I think it's definitely hurt. The lack of arm strength is definitely hurt, and uh, he's been making some bad decisions. And, and you know, yes, he has some young receivers, and guys have been making drops, but uh, his draft stock has suffered as a result, and he may slip out of round number one because of it. Uh, Andrew Thomas. Uh, man, you know, 6'5", 326 pound junior. He and uh, uh, Kalevin Chason um, for LSU, um, you know, the, the 6'4", 250 pound junior edge rusher, that was a matchup to watch. And, and I thought that Andrew Thomas did a really good job for most of the most of the night, um, you know, showing off some some deep, pretty decent footwork, um, you know, being able to get out there, slide with, with Chason and, and wall him off. Um, you know, there was a time where uh, Chase on beat him to the edge and, and beat him badly. And, and that's one of the things I think with Thomas, he still needs to work on the footwork a little bit. Um, very, very powerful at the point of attack for sure. Um, but it was one of those things to where Chase on would beat him to the edge, beat that out, beat him on that outside shoulder, forcing him to open up. But then what he would do is he would do a good job of driving him down the football field away from the pocket so that you know Jake Fromm will be able to to have a clean pocket and make plays. But you know, Chase on, you know, he's relentless in his pursuit of the quarterback. I think the speed coming off the edge is, is something that you definitely see. And look, Chase on, you know, he he's a you know good student, SEC academic honor roll, 3.10 GPA as a business major, as CBS noted. Um, you know, he's somebody who I, I think has a chance to be a first rounder. 
Um, you know, I thought Christian Fulton, very physical with George Pickens on the on the edge, no separation whatsoever, very instinctive cover corner. He's a first-round lock, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Grant Delpit taking good angles to the football. Um, you know, you, you saw him in the box coming off the edge, uh, flattening out and getting to the running back. Um, you know, timed his blitz very well, shot between the left tackle and guard. Uh, got right to Fromm right away and got a sack on him on the play. Um, those were some of the guys that I thought you know really stood out for me. And then, let's see, as I shuffle through my paperwork, really the the game the game to watch was the OU Baylor game. You know, we knew that the the winner of that game because Utah went down was likely going to be the team that was going to be getting into that CIA college football playoff more than likely as long as Georgia lost. What, you know, and, and OU ultimately getting the victory 30 to, to 23 in overtime. Jalen Hurts, I'll tell you what, you know, not the, you know, not, not the best passer in the world, but he was 17 to 24, 284 yards, a touchdown and an interception, 25 carries, 38 yards, did have a fumble lost. He's one of those guys that, you know, he's going to will his, his team to victory. And I think that's one of the things that is, is special about him is that nothing seems to really rattle him. Um, you know, sometimes you want to see him show a little bit more emotion. But, man, he, he's one of those guys that, you know, he's such a powerful runner. He looks for contact at times. Um, you know, just so so physical. Uh, I think as a passer, he's definitely improved as a passer. But he's one of those guys who still needs to see the entire field. I think turnovers are still a big issue for him, not only as a, you know throwing the ball, but also running the football as well. Uh, Kenneth Murray, the the linebacker, 6'2", 243 pounds, the junior, flies around to the football. You know, ten tackles and a sack, three tackles for loss, a pass breakup, and a quarterback hurry for Murray. And I think Murray, you know, if if his you know his future at the NFL level is going to be at outside linebacker. I don't think that he does a you know he ha- he's as instinctive as he should be. Um, really, the gap integrity I've been talking about it all year long. I think is what's where he struggles. But we got to see some glimpses of him just flying around and making plays when Caleb Kelly came in and played inside backer. You allow him to play on the outside, and that's really where I think he's going to make his money at the at the next level in the NFL. Tremendous athlete. I think he could be a first rounder, but play him outside. Um, you know, I, I thought you know the, the big matchup of the day was Creed Humphrey taking on Bravion Roy inside. Uh, you know, Creed Humphrey, 6'5", 315 pound redshirt sophomore, the center uh, does a really good job sustaining blocks, opening up some big holes, takes really good angles as well. Uh, the co Big Twelve Offensive Lineman of the Year with Colton McKivitz of West Virginia, uh, very nasty, looks to finish his blocks whenever possible, climbs to the second level, walling off linebackers, um, opening holes for for the running backs. Uh, keeps his feet moving uh, to continue to to clear out the the, the tackle, um, but uh, Bravion Roy, let's talk about him. Six one, three hundred thirty three pounds. He and James Lynch is is running mate. Uh, are my two favorite players to watch. Um, you know, in the in the Big Twelve, I think. You know, no offense to Jalen Hurts, Ceedee Lamb, or Neville Gallimore. I think the what makes them so much fun to watch is Bravion Roy at 6'1", 333 pounds, playing the nose, so quick off the ball. You know, really a quick spin move, splitting the double team. Um, you know, he really, you know, was a handful for Creed Humphrey. Got a couple of, uh, of holding calls and, and and got him to jump off sides as well, or jump uh, with a false start as well. 
um, you know, was splitting the, you know, the, the center and right guard blocks coming off the ball with a very quick first step, that quick first step quickness, able to also drive guys into the backfield as well, blowing up uh, run plays. Uh, he's somebody that nobody's going to talk about, but I think in this pre-draft process, a lot of people are going to know about Bravion Roy. Um, has the power to bench press guys and get off blocks, but really it's that first step's quickness. If he gets into the backfield, he's going to make some plays. And then James Lynch, 6'4", 295-pound junior, uh, 15.5 tackles for loss, 10.5 sacks coming into the game, the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. And you know this was somebody who, you know he shows very powerful hands, but for a guy this, as big as he is, he shows some pretty good um, flexibility in his hips. You know, able to, to bend coming off the edge. And you really saw that, you know, bending, you know, beating the right tackle, uh, Adrian Ely, getting under his pad level. And, and really, I was surprised there wasn't as much stiffness. He was able to really bend around that corner and uh, was very smooth uh, with, with that movement. Very relentless getting after the quarterback. He was somebody that had, you know, the... OU had to know where he was on the field at all times. And that's one of the things that I say, that's the mark of a guy that I think you know should be drafted high, is teams have to know where he is on the field at all times. Saw frequent double teams because of it. Very active, just always working to the football. He's someone who has a chance to come back um, for another year and could very, very well solidify himself as a first-round pick. If he comes out, he'll probably be a day-two pick, and that's okay. You know, I think he's somebody who I think um, you know would be an ascending prospect when things are all said and done throughout the draft process. So those were all of our, all of our bowl. Or I'm sorry, all of our conference championships. The next time we talk about any of the games, it'll be the bowl games, and uh, we'll go ahead. We'll do a, a pre bowl, you know, really the bowl preview game uh, podcast, which we'll have here in in the next few days. And then after that, we'll break down uh, each of the bowl games, take a look at some of those matchups that uh, we were talking about, and uh, really start getting into the pre-draft process. We'll take a look at each and every uh, underclassman who's declared for the draft, and uh, that'll come in in January on the 20th is when the deadline is. So shortly after that, we'll take a look at all of the underclassmen. Then it'll get into really that pre-draft process and, and the combine and then the individual workouts. During that time, I'll put together my first mock draft. We'll take a look at that. We'll talk about some team needs. Um, free agency also has a big uh, uh, has a big impact on the draft. So we'll be looking at the free agent moves and what that means for the draft. Really, what I try to do when I look at the draft is, you know, I want to not only look at players, how do they fit at fit in at the next level, but also, you know, who's going to be the right fit for a particular NFL franchise. A lot of times it's all about fit. I mean, you look at at what Lamar Jackson is able to do in Baltimore or Patrick Mahomes is able to do in in Kansas City. Would they have been able to do that at any location? Probably not because a lot of times what you're trying to do, you know, teams are taking a, a square peg and trying to fit it into a round hole and it just doesn't work. Whereas with these guys, they're really allowing taking that offense and tailoring it around those players, you know. And so you want to see, you know, where where are those fits going to be? Where does it make the most sense? So I mentioned that we had the uh, the postseason awards, and you know what what's interesting is when you look at this, uh, you know, Joe Burrow before the Heisman Trophy. Um, he was the Maxwell, Walter Camp, Davey O'Brien, and Johnny uh, Johnny Unitas uh, Golden Arm Award winner. 
you know, when you talk about that, you know, Maxwell is a player of the year, Walter Camp player of the year, best quarterback for Davey O'Brien and then the gold, uh, Johnny Unitas golden arm, um, you know, and, and you look at the finalists for these and, uh, you know, for the Maxwell, it was Hertz and Young. Uh, for the Davey O'Brien, it was Fields and Hertz. Um, for the Walter Camp, it was Young, Fields, Taylor, uh, Jonathan Taylor, and Chuba Hubbard. But, uh, you know, a lot of the same names that kept popping up over and over. And guess what? Who were the Heisman, uh, the Heisman finalists? It was Joe Burrow, uh, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Chase Young. And uh, that's really what the order was. It was it was Joe Burrow breaking records, having more votes, um, and, and the biggest margin of victory in, in history. Um, you know, beating out Jalen Hurts, who was the runner-up by you know long margin, a uh, wide margin, and then uh, Hurts just beating out Justin Fields as the runner-up. Chase Young, number four, and then Jonathan Taylor rounding out the top five. But Jonathan Taylor. I think you had 500 less total votes than Chase Young, so it made sense that those were really your four Heisman finalists. What was interesting, though, was Chase Young received 20 first-place votes, which was actually more than the 12 that uh, just uh, Jalen Hurts received. I think indicative of some of the voters looking at him as the best overall prospect, um, You know, not only for the draft, but really the best overall college football player. Um, so, you know, what's interesting about Chase Young though, is TMZ came out and said that Chase Young hasn't made a decision about the draft. You know, I think he's really solidified himself as the number two overall draft pick and, uh, you know, going more than likely to the giants. I think Cincinnati, they need a quarterback. They're going to need a quarterback in the future. Ryan Finley, uh, they brought him in to see if, if he could be the guy to, uh, to take over for Andy Dalton. Didn't really show out very well, so I think Joe Burrow has to be the answer there for Cincinnati, which then means the Giants looking for a pass rusher. They've addressed the offensive side of the football heavily in, in the last couple of drafts. They need a pass rusher. Chase Young filling in right there for the Giants. Um, you know, The Giants have the the the... The pedigree there, I guess, if you want to say, you know, with with Michael Strahan and Jay, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, Justin Tuck, you know, really that uh, that that's a franchise. When you think of edge rushers, you know, obviously uh, Lawrence Taylor at linebacker as well, but uh, you know there are a lot of defensive ends that have really you know called the the New York Giants home. And uh, it'll just be interesting to see what he does because if he does decide to come back for another season, I think he'll be competing with. Uh, Panay Sewell for the the first overall pick, in my opinion. But uh, Joe Joe Burrow finished the year seventy eight percent completion percentage, over forty seven hundred yards, forty eight touchdowns, just six interceptions. I mean, there was no no really. This was about as no brainer of a Heisman Trophy as you'll find. Um, Doak Walker Award, the top running back, uh, Chuba Hubbard and J.K. Dobbins were the runners up to Jonathan Taylor. And look, Jonathan Taylor more. More uh, rushing yards in the first three seasons than in, than anybody in history. Over 900 carries, uh, 6,080 yards, 50 touchdowns, 40 receptions uh, as well. Over 1,900 yards in 2019, 21 touchdowns. Now, when you talk about Jonathan Taylor, the 905 carries, all the wear on, on his legs uh, versus a guy like J.K. Dobbins who had to split time with Mike Weber before this season. And then uh, you know, Travis Etienne, really a lot of times with Clemson this year, they were done you know, shutting him down after the first half. Um, you know, 
and then DeAndre Swift, they run really a running back by committee there at Georgia. So uh, Jonathan Taylor, that could be his biggest nemesis is, you know, all that wear on those legs, even though he's had, um, you know, been a pretty durable running back there for the Badgers. Blitnikoff Award for the top wideout. Michael Pittman Jr. of USC. C.D. Lamb, OU were the other finalists. But Jamar Chase, sophomore uh, wideout there for LSU. Go-to target for Joe Burrow. Uh, 73 receptions, just under 1,500 yards at 1,498 to be exact. 18 touchdowns, led the country. Uh, no-brainer there. You know, I, I, you know, I'm, I've been a, a big Michael Pittman and a big C.D. Lamb fan. I think C.D. Lamb's going to be a top ten pick. Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be a second rounder, and uh, I think he's going to have a nice NFL career as well. But when you're talking about the the year out there, uh, Jamar Chase was just, you know, th- there were some games down the stretch where he really stepped up for his quarterback. And uh, you know, I'll be curious to see just what he looks like in, in 2020. The John Mackey uh, Award for the top tight end. Um, mentioned uh, Harrison Bryant, you know, that name, uh, not to be confused with Hunter Bryant. They were both uh, John Mackey Award finalists along with Brevin Jordan out of uh, out of Miami. And, and Hunter, Hunter Bryant is, is an interesting tight end. He didn't win the award. It went to Harrison Bryant, as I said. But Hunter Bryant... Uh, an undersized tight end, you know, at, at 6'2", 237 pounds, 52 receptions, over 800 yards, three touchdowns. You compare that with Evan Engram, who's 6'3", 237, somewhere around there, 65 catches, 926 yards, eight touchdowns. Really want to see what Hunter Bryant runs in the 40. Not saying that he's going to be a first-round pick, but I, I think there's a chance that, that Hunter Bryant um, could work his way up draft boards quickly, as will Harrison Bryant. Look, 6'5", 240 pounds. 65 receptions, over a thousand yards, seven touchdowns, really good route runner, a guy who's a weapon up the seam, you know, and, and down the football field. Lane Kiffin, you know, lining him up all over the field. Uh Harrison Bryant's gonna be a name that I think is also gonna rise up draft boards. Outland trophy to the top interior lineman. You have uh you know Tyler Beatis, the the center who ended up you know winning the Remington Award. Uh, and then Derek Brown, the defensive tackle for Auburn, but the award went to Panay Sewell. You know, and I've already talked about you know what I think of Panay Sewell. Um, you know, this was a very deserving award, and uh, he's a guy that is going to be on everybody's uh, every every team is going to be sending scouts to Eugene to watch this kid play. So I mentioned Beatus winning the the Remington Award. He beat out uh, Creed Humphrey, who I, I think is also going to be a first rounder. Uh, along with Biotis at, at the center position, should they both come out. Um, you know, Biotis, you know, he he came back for one more year, uh, was a redshirt sophomore a season ago, came back for one more year. I think he's probably going to come back. Uh, I'm, he'll probably enter the draft. Creed Humphrey, though, has a chance to potentially come back for one more year there at OU. Um, but if he does come out, you know, the former wrestler, I think, has a good chance to be a first-rounder. And then Matt Hennessy out of, ten, out of Temple. He's the guy that I've been high on from day one at, at the at the center position. A lot of people aren't talking about him, but uh, he's somebody that could potentially, you know, if he decides to come out, he'll be a day two pick. Uh, let's see. Then the Lou Groza Award. Hey, let's talk kickers a little bit. We haven't really done that to, to this point, but uh, Keith Duncan, the, the clutch Iowa kicker, uh, and then Blake Mazza up there in the Palouse at Washington State were the other uh, finalists, but Rodrigo Blankenship, 
for, for UGA, uh, known for uh, the spectacles, uh, 44 of 44 uh, for extra points, 25 of 31 on field goals, 119 total points. I think you know, when you think of the kickers uh, in college football this year, his name is kind of first and foremost on everybody's mind. Uh, so if you move to the defensive side of the football, both the Bednarik and Nagurski Awards for Defensive Player of the Year went to Chase Young, uh, beat out um, Isaiah Simmons and Derek Brown for the Bednarik, and then for the Nagurski, uh, Isaiah Simmons, J.R. Reed, uh, Derek Brown, and Antoine Winfield um, were the other finalists there. And Chase Young, look, 44 tackles, 21 for loss, 16 and a half sacks, three pass breakups, seven forced fumbles. The seven forced fumbles, you know, those are all those strip sacks. I mean, he's he's in a core in opposing quarterbacks' nightmares. They see number two coming off the edge, and uh, that just you know it uh, you know makes for for a long game. That's for sure. Uh, the Buckus Award, you know, Buckus, you had Jordan Brooks of Te- Texas Tech. Evan Weaver of Cal, um, Zach Bond, and, and Micah Parsons of, of Penn State. But uh, the award going to Isaiah Simmons. Look, you know, 6'4", 230 pounds, the, the converted safety, playing linebacker. Really, this guy was a rush end. He was playing in the box. He played deep safety. He was covering guys in the slot. He basically can do it all. 93 tackles, 14 and a half for loss, seven sacks, two interceptions, six pass breakups, uh, two forced fumbles and a fumble recovery. Guy was all over the field. He's absolutely a top 10 pick, in my opinion. Now, look, uh, the Burlesworth Award for the, the top former walk-on. Um, you know, the likes of, of Baker Mayfield have won this award in the past. And uh, the, the finalists there you know, were, uh, were Rodrigo and, and Ashton Davis, the, the safety there for, for Cal. But the award goes to Kenny Willickis. I mean, all he did was have you know have 219 tackles, 47 and a half for loss, 22 sacks, seven pass breakups, four forced uh, I'm sorry, four fumble recoveries, two forced fumbles in his career there at Sparty, uh, Michigan State. Uh, Kenny Willickis, a guy who I think is going to be probably an early day three pick, but uh, you know a high motor guy and uh, very deserving of the award. Uh, Ray Guy award for the top punter went to Max Duffy out of Kentucky. Uh, 48.6 uh, yards per punt on 47 punts. Beat out Dane Roy of Houston and uh, Sterling Hoffrichter of Syracuse. Um, and then finally, the Jim Thorpe Award. Uh, Jeffrey Akuda, J.R. Reed as finalists, but the award goes to Grant Delpit, number seven out of LSU. Look, not the the best season. You know, I think he's battled some injuries at times. And I think people have kind of been critical of him. Oh, he's you know his draft stock has kind of suffered as a result. Let's not overthink this. Grant Delpit is one of the top ten players in this year's draft, as evidenced by the Jim Thorpe Award. You know, winning that award over the likes of Jeffrey Akuda. Akuda may get drafted higher than than Grant Delpit. That's okay. I still think Grant Delpit is a, a top ten prospect in this year's draft. 56 tackles, three for loss, one sack, two interceptions, six pass breakups, one fumble recovery. But look, there's more to it than just that. You know, Grant Delpit to me, um, you know, he's another guy, kind of that jack of all trades that we were talking about with uh, with Isaiah Simmons. He can be another linebacker in the box, playing the run. He does a great job timing his blitzes, can get after the quarterback in a hurry. I think he can cover some guys in the slot, has a little bit of stiffness in his hips. He's 6'3", 203, needs to sink those hips a little bit more. Um, Plays well over the top, 
very instinctive, you know, uh, no wasted movement, drives on the football really well. You know, I, I think Grant Delpit, is he quite the prospect of, of Jamal Adams? Probably not. Um, you know, he's not really the same player either, though. He's, he's a bigger version of, uh, of Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams was, uh, you know, was not six foot three. Um, but, but to me, Grant Delpit is, uh, really the standard there at, uh, at the safety position, which is kind of a nice segue because I mentioned that we were going to be talking about defensive backs and, uh, we're talking about the top safety in the draft. And, uh, that of course is, uh, Grant Delpit, but, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a look at some of these other guys as well. So one of the things that uh, I want to make sure that we do is we're going to have some time for both safeties and corners. I'm going to start off, though, with the safety position. Um, and not only is Grant Delpit going to be a first-rounder, but I think there's a chance that uh, Xavier McKinney out of Alabama is also going to be a first-rounder. 6'1", 200 pounds, the junior, another guy who does a little bit of everything. Um, you know, 165 tackles in his career, 12 going for loss, 5 sacks, 5 interceptions, 15 pass breakups, six forced fumbles, knows what to do. I think that's one of the things that, that is impressive about him are the ball skills. Knows what to do when he arrives, not only in pass coverage, playing over the top, but also versus the run, um, looks to try to strip the ball whenever possible. Sometimes that's to his disadvantage, though. Um, you know, I, I think he needs to work on wrapping up more so than trying to go for the football or go for the big hit. Um, but he does play well in the box. He always seems to be around the football for Bama. Absolutely the leader. I think he's a better pro, a pro prospect than Deontay Thompson was from a season ago. Um, but, you know, I think he has a chance at first at the first round. I think he'll probably end up sliding into rent into the, the second. But uh, definitely a nice prospect. And, look, my favorite, favorite player in terms of the safeties is Antoine Winfield Jr. out of out of Minnesota. 5'10", 205, the, the sophomore. Look, he, he battled injuries in 2017 and 2018, but so far this year, uh, 83 tackles, uh, seven interceptions, uh, and a couple of forced fumbles as well. You know, the seven interceptions, you watch this guy play, and he just seems to be all around, always around the football. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll play up in the, you know, along the, the line of scrimmage. That's why he does have 83 tackles on the year because he does make a lot of plays right around the line of scrimmage. Um, he's undersized. If he were three, four inches taller, we'd be talking about Antoine Winfield as a first round pick. Obviously the medicals need to check out, make sure that, you know, he's a guy that can stay healthy. And so far that's, he's been able to do just that, you know, this year, you know, I think playing over the top. Um, you know, does a good job diagnosing, you know, reading plays, you know, does his homework. Um, you know, he, he's got the bloodlines as well. His dad, Antoine Winfield Sr., um, you know, excellent ball skills himself. And, and you watch Antoine Winfield play and, you know, there's no wasted movement with him. You know, he just, he reads the play, he reacts, uh, does a great job undercutting routes, can also, uh, you know, play that deep safety position as well. And uh, I think Antoine Winfield is one of those sneaky prospects. If he does decide to come out, and there's no guarantee that he will, especially with with Tanner Morgan coming back, uh, you know, Rashad Bateman coming back, a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball coming back as well. Uh, Antoine Winfield could decide to stay there in Minneapolis for one more year with P.J. Fleck and the Gophers. But if he comes out, there's a chance he could be that guy that we're talking about as a a first-round pick when it's all said and done. Look, Darnell Savage was a prospect for Maryland that did a little bit of everything and, you know, a little bit undersized, and uh, Antoine Winfield could be that guy. Now, we're talking about a 5'10 safety. Now we're going to transition to a 6'4 safety. 6'4, 215-pound Hamza Nazaruddin. 
the, the junior, just a fluid athlete. Look, I mean, you know, what he's doing this year, um, and really in his career, he, he's just been a, a fluid athlete, um, flies around to the football, over 100 tackles. Look, he's had 192 tackles in his first in his last two seasons there for Florida State. Only a junior. He could come back for one more season. But uh, look, he, he's kind of that hybrid linebacker safety position type. Um, I'd love to see him come back for one more season. He's had a you know, has three interceptions to his credit along with eight pass breakups. But I really want to see what he can do. Um, you know, in coverage, really see, you know, if he can be a guy like I, uh, Isaiah Simmons, um, you know, and I, I think with Mike Norvell coming to, uh, to Tallahassee, I'd love to see him stay for one more year. Um, you know, I, I didn't mention, failed to mention that in, in 2019 had three forced fumbles as well. So he knows what to do when he arrives at the football, excellent length, uh, that he uses to his advantage. Um, Ashton Davis mentioned him as a finalist for the Burlesworth Ward, 6'1", 200 pound senior safety for Cal, um, the the track athlete there for the Golden Bears, and, and he's he's a guy who just always seems to be in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, he, he has 12, 12 pass breakups, seven interceptions to to his credit, and, and a guy who again has the speed, and he, you know that speed allows him to have tremendous range. He plays well over the top. Um, you know, if you're talking about prospects, you know when you compare him to Jalen Hawkins, uh, who's the other safety there at Cal. Um, you know, Hawkins has nine interceptions to his credit, but you know, I think from an athleticism standpoint, Ashton Davis is the guy that's going to cover a ton of ground and, uh, is because of his speed, I think he'll end up being the higher drafted prospect. Uh, Richard LeCount out of Georgia, only a junior, 5'11", 190 pounds. Um, this is someone who is definitely that, that over the top safety, um, you know, does a really good job reading plays, has four forced fumbles to his credit, six pass breakups. Uh, three interceptions. He'll come down and play in the box. Has four uh, tackles for four and a half tackles for loss this year. Um, you know, and, and I think it's one of those things. He he does a good job diagnosing plays. Gets downhill in a hurry. Not a, not a whole lot of wasted movement. He's someone who's going to put his foot in the ground, get downhill, and uh, you know does a good job wrapping up the ball carrier. Uh, Brandon Jones out of Texas, six foot, two hundred five pounds. The, the senior kind of had an up and down career. They're at Texas, but I think he's going to leave as a guy who I think you know, has a chance to has a chance to really uh, be a starter at the next level. I think he's an intelligent player, uh, tremendous range, uh, does a good job playing in the box, has 14 tackles for loss in his in his career, three interceptions, seven pass breakups, decent ball skills there, um, gets lost at times in uh, in coverage. And you know that's one of the things that has to be a, a little bit of a red flag. Reggie Floyd, six foot, two hundred twenty-two pounds, senior there for the Virginia Tech Hokies. Just a big-bodied uh, safety, a guy who does a really good job playing in the box. Fourteen tackles for loss in his career, including nine and a half as a junior. Uh, over two hundred tackles to his credit. Five interceptions, t- taking one of those for touchdown. And really, you know what was interesting about him in. 2018, he had the nine nine and a half tackles for loss. Really, a guy that was asked to play around the line of scrimmage a lot more. But then in 2019, seven pass breakups. Really, a guy that was you know dropping into coverage more, reading uh, the quarterback. So you know, there's some versatility to his game. Uh, Alohi Gilman out of Notre Dame, five five ten, two hundred two pounds, transferred from Navy, played two years there at at Notre Dame, and uh, you know just a guy who, uh, again, another guy who does a little bit of everything. 
you know, over 200 tackles in his career, 12 pass breakups, four forced fumbles, does a really good job just the ball skills, making plays on the football, uh, you know, no-nonsense guy, you know, a, a guy who wants to come up and, and deliver the big hit whenever possible, plays well around the line of scrimmage, but uh, intelligent enough to drop back into coverage and, and make some plays on the football. Jordan Fuller, a bigger-bodied, uh, you know, high-cut guy, 6'2", 205 pounds, um, good range over the top. You know, I think that's really what you see from him. Um, you know, I, you know, he, he's one of those guys. It, it's, I, I think he's he's inconsistent. You know, I think he's been outplayed by virtually everybody in his secondary. Um, when you look at it, and so it's kind of hard to really judge Jordan Fuller when you're playing with the likes of Jeffrey Akuda, Sean Wade. And frankly, uh, you know Damon Arnett as well. Sean Wade stepped in at the safety position and has flashed over uh, Jordan Fuller. I think you know he is a veteran, but I think as teams start watching some of the game film, I think they'll ultimately end up uh, he'll you know fall to to the day three uh, because you know he's more of that center field center field type and uh, you know doesn't make a ton of plays. And uh, you know this the fact that he doesn't flash as much. I think that's really what could potentially end up hurting him in the long run. Julian Blackman and Terrell Burgess are two Utah safeties. Blackman is the converted corner, 6'1", 204 pounds, nine interceptions in his career, 20 pass breakups. Um, very, uh, very good instincts. Um, you know, when he's playing in uh, at the safety position, does a good job understanding routes and uh, you know, can get you know, undercut routes, make plays on the football. Terrell Burgess, really, uh, this was his first year that really had a breakout year for, for the Utes, five pass breakups to his credit, uh, six tackles for loss. Um, you know, a guy that can play well around the line of scrimmage, played strong safety there for, for Utah. Um, you know, a lot of people like him a lot more than I do. You know, right now I look at him as probably a fourth or fifth round pick at best. Uh, Antoine Brooks out of Maryland, 5'11", 215 pounds. Look, this is a guy who plays around the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, he has nine pass breakups, four interceptions to his, to his credit as well. But, you know, he's one of those guys, 27 and a half tackles for loss, you know, and, you know, that's really in the last three seasons, you know, someone who just understands, you know, wants to get up, be physical, plays in the box very well. He's a box safety. Um, you know, so that's really, you know, what you see is what you get there with, with Antoine Brooks, uh, Douglas Coleman, you know, I think the, the thing that is going to jump off when people look at him, 6'1", 200 out of Texas Tech. Eight interceptions on the year, 11 in his career. That's really going to be the thing that is going to draw everyone to it. But, you know, the the, the, the thing with him is, you know, he'll, he'll gamble. He'll make, he'll take chances and uh, not always for the, for the better, you know, the, the Kansas game, you know, there was a, I think it was a block kick and he goes to return it and then pitches the football and ultimately Kansas recovers and up kicking the field goal to end up winning the game. Um, you know, there's some mental lapses to his game that really will, will cause some teams to pause a little bit. Uh, J.R. Reed, uh, 6'1", 194 pounds there for you, uh, for Georgia, the senior, uh, a guy who does a pretty good job playing around the line of scrimmage. He can play back in coverage, has seven pass breakups uh, this season. Um, you know, to me, I, I think J.R. Reed is kind of the unsung uh 
you know, hero there for, for Georgia in that secondary, a guy who's just a heady, steady player, somebody who I think will probably, you know, he could be a third round pick, may fall to the fourth round, but a guy who I think is going to end up being a starter at the next level. How about Davion Taylor out of Colorado? 6'2", 225 pounds. He's a linebacker, linebacker safety combo. Um, the, the speed is really what you see from him. Uh, 18 tackles for loss in his career, six pass breakups as well. Um, but, you know, he's he's a... He's an athlete. He's a sprinter and uh, somebody who I think is going to get a look because of that athleticism. Tanner Muse out of Clemson, 6'2", 230 pounds, big physical safety. A guy who's going to come down and hit you, uh, hit you in the mouth. Nasty, nasty player. But uh, as we saw against Virginia, he got turned around quite a bit by Assise Dubois. Some limitations, stiffness in his hips, limitations in coverage. I think that's ultimately going to drop him to probably mid to late day three. I'll give you a name of a guy that I think is going to be interesting, and that's Patrick Nelson out of SMU. I'll tell you what, you know, he played his first two seasons in Illinois and Champaign, moves to SMU, and uh, check this out. You know, 16 and a half tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks on the year, uh, has 27 and a half. Uh, tackles for loss in his career, a guy who just knows how to get after the quarterback. So if you're looking for a guy, you know, a sneaky good player, a guy that nobody's really talking about when you watch bowl season, check out Patrick Nelson there for SMU. I need to do a little bit more uh, game film, you know, watch some more game film there of Patrick Nelson, but a guy who I think is very intriguing. Um, Another name from a a group of five conference that really isn't getting much recognition is, is Javon Hagan. You know, six foot, 215 pounds, very intelligent player, you know, and not the only guy who's coming out of Ohio who's who's made some plays. You know, Travis Carey came came out of Ohio as well, uh, kind of a, a guy that people weren't talking about at uh, the you know, as a defensive back. But Hagan, 313 tackles, uh, nine going for loss, six interceptions, 28 pass breakups. Um, seven forced fumbles in his career as well. A guy who has tremendous ball skills, a guy who just, you know, he's always around the football. And that's one of the things that I think for me really um, is, is intriguing. You know, Desmond Franklin from App State, uh, eight interceptions, 17 pass breakups. Uh, Daniel Thomas from Auburn, 5'11", 209 pounds, um, five interceptions, seven pass breakups to his credit, along with uh, eight tackles for loss. Nigel Warrior from uh, Tennessee, six foot, 191 pounds. Five interceptions, um, nine pass breakups in, in his career, into, including four interceptions in 2019. Uh, mentioned Jalen Hawkins. Let's see, Juju Hughes out of Fresno State, 5'11", 188 pounds. Um, let's see, 247 tackles in his career, seven interceptions, 22 pass breakups. Those are a few names, along with, uh, let's let's also throw out there, uh, DeMar Hamlin, 6'1", 195 pounds out of Penn, uh, I'm sorry, out of Pittsburgh. Um just under 200 tackles uh, to his credit so far. Three interceptions, 13 pass breakups, six tackles for loss. Veteran presence there for the Panther defense. Those are some additional names, some guys to keep an eye out for there at the safety position when we start talking about safeties and the draft. Uh, a lot of those guys are going to be playing in bowl games as well, so some names to keep an eye out for. Take a breath here real quick, and we'll move on to the cornerback position. I want to make sure that we get through all of our corners as well. I think we're pretty good on time, so we'll go ahead, jump into our cornerback position, and, and look, Jeffrey Akuda, 6'1", 200 pounds, out of Ohio State, uh, the junior, 
um, you know, just fallen in, in the line of, of great uh, OU defensive backs. And, you know, I, I look at Jeffrey Okuda, and yeah, he didn't win the uh, the Thorpe Award, but I think he is going to end up being a top five pick when it's all said and done. Um, look, uh, you know, didn't have a, a tackle for law. I'm sorry, uh, an interception in his career. Ultimately, with 16 pass breakups, had nine coming into the season, and then in in just two weeks ends up with with three interceptions. Um, I, I think with Jeffrey Akuda, he's just such a smooth athlete. You know, um, you know, he's so patient off the line. You know, basically he doesn't react. He allows the receiver to commit to either the inside or outside, and you know is right on right on their hip. You know, usually he's in phase, takes advantage of of the sideline whenever possible to force the guys. Uh, for uh, force the receivers into the sideline um, wants to get physical whenever possible at the top of the route um, you know pretty good in, you know both in in man coverage and in off coverage uh, just a guy who does a little bit of everything and I mean if you compare him to uh, to Denzel Ward for example Denzel Ward didn't have any interceptions until his final year at Ohio State had 24 pass breakups to his credit as well um Denzel Ward, 5'10", 191 pounds. Jeffrey Akuda, 6'1", 200 pounds. I think people weren't expecting Denzel Ward to be a top five pick because of the lack of height. You know, when you look at Jeffrey Akuda, you know, I, I think the comparisons there with, with he and, and Denzel Ward are definitely there. And I think that height advantage, um, using some of that length as well, I think teams are going to realize that, you know what, there are going to be a lot more teams that are going to be considering Denz, uh, Jeffrey Okuda in the top five. And you may see teams trying to move up to get him. C.J. Henderson out of Florida, a 6'1", 202 pounds. Uh, the junior, if they can't get Jeffrey Okuda, he'd be a nice consolation prize because he's he's one of those guys who's just a man-to-man. You know, he sticks to you like glue on the outside. Um, you know, he's, he's really, a you know, can put, put him out on an Island and let him just do his thing. Um, you know, didn't really see too many balls thrown his way in 2019, 11 pass breakups, uh, to his credit though. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, the biggest thing, you know, he had four interceptions as a freshman, two interceptions as a, as a, a, a sophomore. And by his junior season, SEC teams really realized let's just not throw in his direction at all. Um, you know, very fluid, you know, has loose hips to just turn and run, uh, with, with the receiver and, uh, you know, just really takes for, for opposing offenses. He really takes away one side of the field and, uh, you know, he, he's going to, if a man comes, his man decides he's going to go ahead and run an in, in breaking route. He's right there on the hips, drives quickly, undercuts the routes. I think that's the thing that's so impressive about C.J. Henderson is he puts his body in a position to make a play on just about every route, understands the route concepts, and knows where to, where he needs to be to make a play on the ball. Biggest thing, you know, downside for, for C.J. Henderson is the, the tackling. He's not, not the most willing tackler, just kind of whiffs, throws his body, you know, at, at guys and, and – you know, not very physical, kind of shies away from contact, if you will. But, uh, you know, I remember a guy by the name of Deion Sanders who didn't really like to come up and hit people all that much. And uh, he's a Hall of Famer now because of uh, his play out there on an island. And uh, I think C.J. Henderson's going to be, uh, you know, I'm not comparing him to DJ to Deion Sanders. Can't, you know, there's only going to be one prime time. But I'm just talking about the physicality. You know, you didn't necessarily see that out of Deion. But uh, you did see him lock down 
one side of the field, and that's something that you're definitely going to be expecting to see here with C.J. Henderson. Uh, after that, you've got Paulson Adebo. You know, this was a guy that I was pounding the table for. You know, 6'1", 190 pounds out of Sanford, uh, redshirt sophomore. And, you know, after his, his freshman season, you know, 17 pass breakups, four interceptions. Man, this kid was was tremendous. Former four-star wide receiver. Really, you know, was running the receiver, the routes better than the receivers. Really knew where the receivers were going to be uses his tremendous length, has tremendous ball skills. You know, he knows what to do when the ball's in the air, adjusts well to the football, puts himself in a position to make a play. Um, played in nine games this year. Stanford really struggled mightily, and he was picked on quite a bit. You know, and it's one of those things where he's still a, a young corner. He's very, relatively new to the position. Still ended up with four interceptions, ten pass breakups. And, and yeah, he, you know, he did get picked on a little bit. But it's one of those things to where you can only go to the well so many times before this kid really figured things out. And uh, I think he's definitely battle-tested. Um, and, you know, the, the fact that he is a former wideout, you know, really I think is, is something that he uses to his advantage. Reading, reading the routes, reading the receivers understanding what the quarterback's going to do when he reads the quarterback's eyes. He's driving on the football, making a play. Um, he could come back to, to Stanford for one more year, but if he comes out, I think he has a chance to be the number three corner taken. Um, I think there are three or four corners um, you know, with Debo, Bryce Hall, Christian Fulton, Trevin Diggs. Uh, really, I guess you could throw A.J. Terrell and Sean Wade in there. I think all of these guys are going to be to be the number three corner behind Akuda and Henderson. Uh, mentioned Bryce Hall. You know, the, the nasty uh, ankle injury cut his season short after six games. 6'1", 200 pounds. Um, you know, if teams really want to watch this guy play, um, you know, 21 pass breakups as a junior. Uh, the ball skills. I think that was the thing that was so tremendous. Um, I think you could talk about, you, you, I think he'll be okay by the combine. You know, you'll be able to see some of the fluidity, you know, with, with the way that he plays. But, you know, you can talk about athletes all you want, you know, and, and who's, who's the best athlete out of this group. Um, but can they, can they make a play on the football? Can they really go after a football? I mean, after a guy has five interceptions, 38 pass breakups, and three forced fumbles, this guy knows how to attack the football. And he's one of those guys that, um, you know, I think his football, you know, the best, you know, football is still ahead of him. And, uh, you know, to me, I've been a, a big Bryce Hall fan. He almost came out after the 2018 season and probably would have been the number one corner taken. Um, I, I don't know what's changed there. I think we have more depth at this position more than anything else. But I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, when I look at Adebo, who's a newer corner, who's still developing, I look at Christian Fulton, who's had some off-field issues. Trevin Diggs, converted wideout, who... Um, you know, to me, you know, make some mistakes at times. AJ Terrell, the bigger uh, physical corner, um, but you know, a little bit handsy. Sean Wade, you know, that's that's the guy that I think is going to be interesting um, because he reminds me a lot of, of Byron Jones because he can play both corner and safety. Um, be interesting to see if he comes out as a redshirt sophomore. So. Mentioned some of those guys. Christian Fulton sat out uh, an entire season in, in 2017. Um, played in only seven games in 2018. Um, 
you know, had some off-field issues. Teams were really going to have to do their homework there. But look, this year, no no doubt, you know, really the, the instinctive uh, play was, was evident. You know, watching number one out there, you know, really locking things down. And then they have Derek Stingley on the other side. You know, when you talk about, you know, LSU going to the, the college football playoff, it's not just Joe Burrow in that offense. You know, that defense, when you've got Fulton and uh, and Stingley on the outside, yes, they're going to give up some plays, but, man, they're going to make a ton of plays on the football. His instincts, you know, I think are some of the best in this draft class, knows uh, what to do, you know, on on an island, um, you know, reads the reads the, the quarterback's eyes, reads the routes, reads the, the receiver's eyes as well, knows when to attack the football, knows when the hands need to go up, um, can be physical when he needs to. Um, you know, if the the off-field issues check out, that I think Christian Fulton could absolutely be a, a first-round pick. Uh, Trevin Diggs, 6'2", 207. Um, you know, this guy, you know, is a tremendous uh, return man as well, converted wide out. Um, shows some pretty good instincts, 17 pass breakups to his, his credit, but uh, I think he gets lost in coverage at times. Uh, there are times where he's gets turned around a little too easily. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that's frustrating when I watch him play a little bit, you know, he knows how to, to make a play on the football, had three interceptions, including a, a pick six, um, also had a fumble return for a touchdown in 2019. And I think he's one of those guys, he, along with Paulson Adebo, they're, they're newer to that position and they're going to continue to get better. Um, so really if you're making that, that, uh, you know, drafting Trevin Diggs or, uh, Paulson Adebo, you're really looking at that as guys who are, they're ascending prospects, guys who are just going to continue to get better and better as they continue to learn the position. And remember, it doesn't necessarily matter, you know, how long they've been at the position. Look at Devin White, the LSU uh, linebacker, relatively new to the position, ended up being a beast there for LSU, gets drafted number five overall by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and looks like he's going to be a force there for a long time. So uh, Diggs, Adebo, you know, they definitely have a chance to be uh, be first-rounders, as does A.J. Terrell, 6'1", 190 pounds, you, know, you look at some of the numbers, and the numbers don't always jump out at you. He does have six interceptions to his credit. Uh, had three in 2018, um, 11 pass breakups. But here, here's the thing, you know, he was a, a guy. You know, his numbers in in 2018 better than 2019, but that was also because he had Trayvon Mullen opposite him. And really, when you watch Clemson play, teams don't pick on him very much. There's a reason for that, and it's because he understands um, you know, route cons- concepts. He's one of those guys who can turn and run with his man. Not as fluid in his hips as some of the other guys, but uh, definitely a guy who knows where you know, how to put himself in position to make a play on the football. Um, you know, I-, I think A.J. Terrell is somebody who is going to challenge for, for a-, a day one pick. He may be a, a second rounder, but I think you know you look at some of the Clemson uh, corners that have come out and uh, entered the league. They've had some success, and I think AJ Terrell is is one of those guys who can absolutely do that as well. Um, you know, I, I know how much Mike Mayock and and John Gruden seem to love the the Clemson Tigers, so there's a good chance that we could potentially see an AJ Terrell reuniting with Trayvon Mullen in the league, which takes us to Sean Wade. 
194 pounds, redshirt sophomore. Look, he's he's one of those guys. He, he was slowed up by some injuries here, but you know, 14 pass breakups, four interceptions, uh, three forced fumbles. You know, I, I think he he can play a little bit around the line of scrimmage when he needs to. Um, you know, at the safety position, but it's just somebody who is such a tremendous athlete. He is six one, has tremendous length, um, and somebody who I think, like I said, he can play over the top. Um, he can uh, play around the box just a little bit. Had a couple of sacks, um, so he can shoot into the uh, into the backfield when when needed as well. Kind of a jack of all trades type of a player, and, and somebody who, like I said, Byron Jones ended up being a first round pick, largely due to the fact that he was such a freakish athlete at the combine. But uh, Sean Wade is somebody I'd love to see him come back for one more year. I saw how it really helped Damon Arnett uh, with his draft stock, um, so I'd be curious to see if Sean Wade comes back for one more year. TCU's Jeff Gladney. Freakish athlete, a guy who I'm I'm gonna be excited to see what he runs at the combine. Is it gonna be sub four three? Uh six foot, 183 pounds. He's a tremendous leaper as well, by the way. Um, but uh 37 pass breakups in his career, including uh 26 over the course of the last two seasons. Um, you know, just really a, a tremendous athlete, a guy who um you know he, the the vertical speed guys aren't going to necessarily outrun him he's going to be on his receiver on their hip pocket knows what to do when the ball's in the air he's one of those guys that people aren't really talking about because of the depth of this wide uh, this cornerback class but uh i think he's somebody who can end up being a star in the in the league uh cam dantzler 6 285 pound junior uh mississippi state He's declared for the draft, so we know that he is coming out. 20 pass breakups in his three-year career, five interceptions as well. Um, let's see, six and a half tackles for loss. Um, I, I thought what was really telling here, um, you know, I think he's he's a little, you know, when you look at him, he's 6'2", tremendous length, but only 185 pounds, so he's a lot more slight, and I think he could get overpowered by some of the bigger receivers. But Terrell Buckley was his position coach. Terrell Buckley, you know, um, you know, played in the in the league for for a number of years, and he feels that Cameron Dantzler is the top corner in this year's draft. I mean, that says a lot. You know, very high praise. But Terrell Buckley knows a thing or two about the cornerback position, so he's somebody that I think teams will really be wanting to learn more about as we get into the pre-draft process. I'm going to give you a name of a group of five guy who I think may come out and enter the draft. Uh, I've heard some rumors, um, seen that online. Um, but Amik Robertson, 5'9", 183 pounds out of Louisiana Tech, only a junior. But this dude, man, you want to talk about making some plays on fo- on, the, on the football. 14 interceptions in his career. And uh, three of those were returned for touchdown. 34 pass breakups. You know, he's undersized. Had he been another three or four inches taller, he'd be talked about in this group, uh, you know, for first, you know, first round consideration. But that said, he has tremendous ball skills. I think he's going to end up, he'd be a great uh, slot corner, nickel corner, a a guy who, you know, just is, is a heady player, a guy who's going to make some plays on the football. You need to find those, those, uh, those slot corners whenever possible, those receivers in the slot making a lot of plays. And I think, you know, this is a guy who can come in and uh, you know, be one of those players um, who can make an impact early on. Troy Pride out of Notre Dame. He's 5'11", 194 pounds. If you look at his numbers, 
his numbers aren't going to blow you away. So the numbers don't always tell the story. Four interceptions and uh, I think 17 pass breakups in his career. You know, just only five this year. But he doesn't really have the ball thrown his way very often. And there's a reason why. He, he's very athletic. You know, he has tremendous speed, very good closing speed as well. So when he's playing in off coverage, he drives on the football in a hurry. But he's often in phase right there with his receiver and uh, puts himself in the position to make a play on the football. And quarterbacks usually generally don't want to waste their time trying to throw his direction. Um, so he's one of those guys I think teams are going to have to study his tape a little bit more and realize that he's somebody that uh, should be talked about in this upper echelon of, of, uh, of corners. He's saying Bassey out of Wake Forest. He's 5'10", 190 pounds, a guy who I think will probably play in the slot. Um, but uh, 11 and a half tackles for loss, over 200 tackles to his credit, five interceptions, 43 pass breakups. You know, a guy who just flies around to the football, makes a lot of plays. You know, he does get burned at times. You know, I, I think he gets his eyes into the backfield. He wants to come up and make plays uh, against a runner in the backfield, and uh, will you know get burned at times uh, because of that those double moves. But uh, just a guy who who knows how to make plays on the football. Uh, Rashad Robinson out of uh, James Madison, 5'11", 186 pounds. Look, one of my favorite uh, corners in last year's draft pack, draft class was Jimmy Moreland, um, who made a name for himself early on there with the Washington Redskins. Rashad Robinson's another one of those prospects. You know, He went down in 2018 to the knee injury, but he's come back and uh, looks to be very much like himself, You know, his old self. Um, I haven't really gotten to watch James Madison much, but just looking at the stats, he had seven interceptions and 16 pass breakups in 2017 as a junior. Uh, as a redshirt senior in 2019, another three interceptions, 10 pass breakups. Um, you know, I want to really get some some game film and some game time to to watch Rashad Robinson and, and see if if the burst, the closing speed, you know, his ability to drive on the football, has he lost a step or is it still there? Um, that's really what I'm curious to see. But I hope that he ends up. Um, ends up getting a combine invite because I really like to see what he does uh, in comparison to some of these other corners. Um, Luke Barku out of San Diego State. Here's a name for you. Um, you know, 6'1", 175 pounds. If you haven't watched the Aztecs play, um, this is a guy who's really come out and made a name for himself. Eight interceptions, 16 pass breakups. It's kind of like Demonte Casey. Demonte Casey was a name that people weren't really talking about. Jumps, you know, bursts onto the scene, and uh, he's actually had a decent NFL career for himself. Barku may be the next in line there for the Aggie. Or I'm sorry, for the Aztecs. Uh, let's see who else can we talk about? Kendall Vildor, um, there at, at Georgia Southern, 5'11", 190 pounds, excellent ball skills, eight interceptions in his career, uh, 23 pass breakups, nine tackles for loss. Um, you know, just really an, an intelligent player. And a guy who I think can play either in the slot or on the outside. You know, I think some of that versatility is going to bode well for him um, when we get closer and closer to draft day. Uh, Jalen Johnson, as I mentioned, out of Utah, uh, talked about him, you know, needing to trust himself a little bit more and not get so handsy. Um, let's see. Uh, 21 pass breakups, though, in his career. Um, he, he's one of those guys. I think he, he'll end up being the highest drafted of the secondary players there for Utah between him, Blackman, and uh, and Burgess, uh, because I think you know teams are going to like his size and his length there on the outside and his ability to play that corner position. 
Um, you know, very intelligent player, utilizes that sideline to his advantage. Uh, he, like I said, he just needs to trust himself and keep those hands off the receiver. And, uh, you know, if he doesn't do that, if he can't keep his hands off the receiver, that's going to really limit his uh, ability there at the next level. Let's see, a few more guys to, to mention. Lavert Hill, if you look at his numbers, you're not going to really find a whole lot, you know, that's going to jump out at you. Um, but, you know, just a guy who is a veteran corner. Um, some people think that he's better than David Long. Um, five, again, 5'11", 182 pounds. Um, he may be better suited, you know, playing inside. Um, let's see, Dane Jackson out of Pitt. You know, I mentioned that you know Pittsburgh has a couple of guys. You know, it's Jamar Hamlin. Now, Dane Jackson, six foot, one hundred ninety pounds. This is another guy who you know is a veteran player there for for Pat Narduzzi, and uh, thirty nine pass breakups in his career, four forced fumbles. Um, you know, you remember Jordan Whitehead uh, there for for Pittsburgh. He was the guy who got drafted high. I think Dane Jackson. Not many people talking about him. He'll probably fall to day three, but I think he's a he's a solid corner. As is Chris Jackson at Marshall. Holy cow! Um, you know a guy who in the, you know really in the last two uh, seasons, you know twenty four pass breakups, um, has seven interceptions to his credit, forty five total pass breakups in his career, two uh, fumble recoveries that he returned for touchdown uh, as well, nine and a half tackles for loss, couple of sacks, just under two hundred tackles for the first career as well really the the guy that that you know stirs the drink in that uh uh thundering herd secondary he's a guy to keep an eye out for as well um as we talk about day three um day three corners uh harrison hand out of temple six foot 192 pound junior good chance he can end up coming out and entering the draft um, you know, played for Baylor in 2017 and 2018 before transferring to Temple. 16 pass breakups, four interceptions uh, on the year um, there with Temple. Let's see. I'm sorry, that's in his career. Five interceptions, 16 pass breakups. Um, let's see. Uh, Jerome Bryant, a 6'1", 190-pound uh, corner there for Fresno State. Uh, another guy who... You know, I mentioned Juju Hughes and and Jerome Bryant. You know, is another guy who I think is going to get a look. Six interceptions, two of which were returned for touchdown. Twenty six pass breakups as well. He he's a veteran corner, a guy who has a lot. You know, played a lot of games there for Jeff Tedford with the Bulldogs, and you know, someone who I think should get a shot at the next level, um, because there are so many talented corners in this year's draft. He may not get drafted. He may end up being a priority free agent, but I think he's still a guy who is going to get a shot there at the next level. So those are our cornerbacks. Oh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Terrell TJ Carter there for Memphis as well. 5'11", 195 pounds. He's only a junior. Uh, coming off a year where he had uh, 12 pass breakups, a couple of interceptions, one of which was returned for touchdown. Seven pass breakups on the year. 30 total uh, in his career, um, only played in 11 games, battled some injuries this season. So I think TJ Carter more than likely is going to come back for one more year. But uh, with Mike Norvell leaving, there is a chance that he could come out and enter the draft. Um, you know, but again, another name that could potentially uh, get lost in the shuffle of all of these talented corners. So. We've made it through all of the positions, both on the offensive side and the defensive side of the football. 
We've talked about every single week of the regular season. We've talked about each of the conference championships, which leads us to our next episode, which will be all about bowl season. We're going to take a look at every single bowl from the Bahamas Bowl all the way through to the college football playoff and uh, and the college football championship for that matter. And we're going to talk about matchups. We want to take a look at some of the players, obviously, that you want to be looking out for that are draft eligible And when I say draft eligible, we don't know that everybody's going to be declaring for the draft yet or not, but we want to make sure that we are talking about the redshirt sophomores and the juniors who could come out after the bowl season, after the season's over. So we're going to take a look at those guys, but we also want to talk about some of the matchups, some of the team, when you look at some of these teams and how they're going head to head, what is that going to look like? You're going to want to see, you know, JK Dobbins versus uh, Isaiah Simmons, or you take Jalen Hurts. And you're, you know, not only is it competing against Joe Burrow, but you want to see Jalen Hurts against that that LSU secondary and Derek, you know, Derek Stingley and, and Christian Fulton and and Grant Delpit. Um, you know, those are some of the matchups that you're going to want to see. Um, you know, and really, you know, defensively for the, you know, for Clemson. I'm sorry, offensively for Clemson, you're going to have all that explosive firepower. But uh, you're going to be going up against an Ohio State defense that's led by Chase Young. Is that veteran offensive line, the, the, the line there for Clemson, and everybody's been talking about, about how good they are. And they could very well win the Joe Moore Award as the top offensive line. But if they are as good as everybody is saying that they are, can they hold up against that Ohio State defense? That's going to be a big question, a big if. Can they do that for four quarters? That's going to be a huge question mark. So those are just some of the matchups that we are going to talk about. We're going to get through every single bowl game. We're going to talk about at least one player from every single school in every single bowl game that is a draft-eligible prospect for the draft. Really kind of see what their their draft um, draft status might be in terms of where I think they may go. Are they a, you know, a first-rounder, a day-two pick? Somewhere in, in uh, on day three, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, are they a priority free agent? You know where are these guys going to fall? So that's really what I intend to do with this bowl uh, bowl preview. And then what we'll do is we'll end up taking a look at each of those bowl games after uh, bowl season is wrapped up, and then from there, like I said, we'll talk about each of the underclassmen, and we'll have a separate podcast in January, once all of the underclassmen have, have made their decisions. We'll talk about both the players, each of the players that are coming out, just to give you an idea and a heads up on what to expect and what they've done um, and some of what I've seen when I've analyzed their tape and their games. Um, you know, This is going to be another season for me, just so that uh, you're all aware before we go ahead and, and call an end to the podcast. You know, Over 200 games already under my belt and... You know, I'm, I'm on target to have watched one full game at, for every FBS program, all 130 FBS program, also sprinkling in some of the FCS schools, especially with the the, the playoffs. You know, I want to make sure that I get, get an eye on, on a few teams there with that. I want to see the likes of, of Montana's Dante Olsen at linebacker and obviously, uh, you know, Rashad Robinson there uh, for, for James Madison among you know, there are plenty of other guys that are out there as well, but those are two names that definitely come to mind that I want to watch. So with that said, I hope everyone enjoys their weekend. And uh, make sure you tune in to the next podcast. We're going to try to get that out here on Wednesday. 
um, Thursday at the very latest because we've got our first bowl game there on the 20th. So I got to make sure that we get everything together, get that podcast together here the next few days. So enjoy the rest of your weekend, everyone. Stay tuned for the next podcast. Uh, we'll go ahead and sign off. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I have been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening. And I am out of here.